All right. Welcome to a Higher Future podcast. We are very happy to have Benny Fowler, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, author of Silver Spoon, host of Quiet Time podcast, and a certified professional leadership coach on with us today as our guest. Thank you for being here with us today. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation and where in all the different places that it could go. <laughs> I'm, I'm also joined by host UB Simonieri. And um, so we'll, we'll have a lovely conversation today. We'll see how this goes. Yeah, very excited. Yes, it's, it's great, to, great to see you, Benny. I, I'd love to kind of learn more about kind of your history, like how you got to um, the NFL, how you got to, you know, your role now as, as a leadership and results coach. Um, I think it's just fascinating and how sports kind of played a role in that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways that this could start, but I'm born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. I have a, a beautiful family. My parents aren't together, but our family is still a family. You know, I was raised by my mom and my dad and my stepmom as well. Went to Detroit Country Day High School, went to Michigan State, where I graduated with a degree in economics, where I played football, and that led me into the NFL. I was an undrafted free agent. I chose to go to Denver because if I had the chance to play with the legendary, now Hall of Famer, Peyton Manning, mm -hmm. then I knew I could play anywhere in the NFL. So I decided to come to Denver, and that's where I played for four years and won a Super Bowl, and I caught his last pass ever in Super Bowl 50, which then I moved on to to play in New York. I played for the Giants for two years with his brother, Eli. And this year, I played with the legendary Hall of Famer, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Drew Brees. Oh, that's exciting. Was the NFL always on your roadmap, you know, kind of growing up? I mean, and, and going, into, going into college? No, I wouldn't say it was always on my roadmap. So I love basketball basketball is my favorite sport I actually love basketball so much that in every NFL game that I've ever played in I've worn NBA socks oh wow <laughs> that's you know that's how much I love the NBA Kobe Bryant Michael Jordan they just always had this I felt like they never feared anything so those were my favorite players growing up so I wanted to be a basketball player and I went to a basketball high school and my mom was one of the people that got me to go out for back out to football. So I played a little bit of little league, but she got me to go back out there my junior year in high school. A couple of my friends had asked me to play and she was like, yeah, you need to go out there and use your talents somewhere else. And I'm like, what? And how many moms are out there encouraging their sons to go out there and get hit a play a game where you get hit hard. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just need somebody in that in your life that gives you that different perspective that helps you recognize your talents in other ways. And my mom was able to help me and do that to go use my speed somewhere else. And it's turned into a great career. So I, I thank my mom all the time for that. Did you ever ask her what motivated her to suggest to make that suggestion? I think, you know, sometimes your parents just know you best. You know, my dad knows me really well. Obviously, my mom knows me really well. So they see talents and they were able to see some things that I couldn't necessarily see. And they both encouraged me to go out there and just give it a try. Just try it on for size and see how it lands. And it landed, it landed great. I was able to go to two state championships in football in the two years that I played in high school. 
and then get some scholarship offers after just playing one year of high school football. So they were right. <laughs> That's amazing. And Nicole, you were going to, you wanted to talk about kind of youth sports, right? Because I think this is a good segue into, into that and how that applies to what we're talking about today in the future of work. It is from, from reading your book and also listening to your podcast, it's very clear that you're close to your family. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you had an episode where you brought your dad on your own podcast and you talked to him about, it sounds like he's very involved in youth sports. And, uh, and so you asked him about, um, how he sees youth sports as training, uh, young people for life skills. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, life skills, a lot of times people will think of as work skills, the skills that you need to go to work, but it, it, I think it's broader than that. And I, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, um, you know, what are the kinds of skills that people learn from youth sports and also from professional sports? Yeah, I think my dad did a really good job. He loved sports growing up. So he wanted to give, you know, myself, my brother and my sisters, the things that he used growing up and sports teaches you so many different things. And he had some core principles that he taught us when we were younger, mental, physical, spiritual, you have to have your mental mindset, you got to have, you have to be able to have teacup, think correctly under pressure, you have to have your your physical, you have to be in shape, you know, that goes along with your mental and then spiritual, like, you know, believing in a higher power. We, I believe in God and, and he's the creator of everything. So those are the, the three core principles that he taught as well as the other coaches on, on the staff. And those are things that still hold true for me as an adult. How am I taking care of myself physically and mentally and spiritually? How that, that goes along with anybody and everybody and in organizations that would come down to the core values. What do you really believe in? And I think sports, youth sports, communication with other people, learning how to make friends, learning how you're similar, building rapport, youth sports, college sports, high school sports, even in professional sports, as well as in organizations, businesses, those core things are still how people are driven. Because at the end of the day, you're working with people. People are working with people. We're not working with numbers and sales training and sales calls. You're still working with other people. There are frameworks that you use, but you're still working with people. So if you want to actually get somebody to buy something from you, you have to build a rapport with this person. You have to understand what they like, what they don't like. You can't just force them to buy this product that you have and try to force them to buy something out of just based out of fear. What, how, how can you guys align? And that's one of the things that you learn in youth sports is that you have these young kids growing up and you're trying to teach them these life skills. And as you get older, these life skills still have to be enhanced. They still, you still have to grow and evolve. I mean, if you're not, if you're not growing, you're staying the same. So you have to continue to, to grow personally and professionally. It sounds like a lot of what you see as the benefit of youth sports and, and professional sports is this ability to be intentional about how you prepare yourself and how you show up so that you can do your best. And, and so, you know, to take that another step and ask you about the future of work and what your predictions are for, um, a, 
hopefully an optimistic future of work. What is it that organizations, companies, employers is really what I mean. What is it that employers can do to be more like youth sports organizations in, and to be able to prepare their employees while they're employees um, for those life skills that will benefit them broadly? Yeah, what companies can do, they can really show that they care about the employees. And what I mean by that is the personal development, you know, giving them certain programs, introducing them to certain things, retreats. Obviously, right now with COVID and everything going on, that'll be a little bit harder. But maybe having little breakout rooms, little team meetings where you're sharing things. One of the best things that leaders can do within organizations is show that they're relatable. Peyton Manning was one of the best at just being a relatable. You see a guy like Tom Brady go to another team this year and win a Super Bowl. Peyton was the first quarterback to do that, to win two Super Bowls with two different teams. But that comes down to leadership and that comes down to being authentic and relatable. And authentic doesn't mean just because you're being yourself that you have to yell at people or be or tell them what to do, but being vulnerable, opening up, showing them who you really are outside of the suit and tie or outside of the helmet when, in terms of sports. Who are you really? Peyton was very good at showing people that he was a funny guy. Now, a lot of people get to see that on TV, but they got to see this guy on Sunday who looked like he was a Superman in terms of the way he played quarterback. But, you know, he was always, you know, playing some jokes here and there. He would share some, some different moments. And if I think about the way he got me to want to, I wanted to perform at my best at all times. I never wanted to let him down because I got to see the real side of him, especially, you know, my first day there, he comes up and he introduces himself. He said, Hey, my name is Peyton. I'm like, I know who you are. <laughs> right. You're the guy from the nationwide commercials. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that he came up to me, even though, you know, everybody knows who this guy is, that shows that humbleness about him or the fact that he knew everybody in the building by their first name. And I'm not talking about players and coaches. I'm talking about the janitorial staff, the kitchen staff, the people that really matter. Because in an organization, every single person has a role in order to win, especially when you're playing in sports. Every single person, if you want to win a championship, that cook has to come here, has to come to the facility and give their best effort and prepare the best food because that's the fuel that we're going to use on the court or the field. So everybody has a specific role. So that's one of the best things that organizations can do. They can really show that they care about the employees by really the leaders being uh, relatable and authentic. Do, do you think that, um, do you think that Peyton, where do you think Peyton learned to be that way? You know, thinking back to kind of youth sports, and, and how that prepares us. Because I think about some of the trainings that we do where we talk about, you know, it's really kind of in that grade school, middle school timeframe where we start to consciously or, you know, unconsciously a lot of the times surround ourselves with, with the people who make us comfortable, meaning, you know, the, the, those, that's our in-group, right? Like that we have similar things in common. We, 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 we like to play the same games or, or we like to have the same types of conversations about whatever. And, and so then, you know, you think about youth sports and that's it, it, kind of taking that to the next level. It, but within that, where, you know, where do you think Peyton learned to be that type of leader early on? Or how do we, I don't know, where do you think that kind of came from? It probably started early on. I mean, his dad, 
was very involved in his life. I think Eli has great leadership capabilities and qualities within him as well. So I think that, you know, some of that stuff comes from just your parents and it's just kind of naturally in you as they are, you know, helping you grow up. And when you play the quarterback position, you have to be a leader. So I think that also comes with it. You know, Peyton, Eli, these guys have been playing quarterback their entire life. That's the, that's a position of leadership. They're naturally good at being quarterbacks in terms of the way their talents are and how they throw, which leads them into a leadership position. And I think they just got better as leaders over time. And the best, two of the best storytellers that I've ever been around. That's a part of their leadership style is sharing stories and sitting around at the lunch table, not just with the players, but with whoever in the building, whoever wants to have lunch with them. They're not just saying, Hey, this is just a player's table. They, they are very relatable guys and they, they relate through stories. They relate through setting an example. And I tell people all the time when I was playing in New York, you know, Eli's car is in the same spot, parked in the same spot every single day. Cause he's the first one in and the last one out. He's setting an example of how things should be done. So if he asked me to stay after practice or watch a little bit of extra film, it's easy for me to do that because he's already setting the example. So are, are these leaders within organizations, are they setting the example that they want their employees to have? Hmm. UB, I'm going to steal your thunder. I know you're curious yeah. about this, um, but I'm going to ask it. So um, Benny, you are, you're a professional leadership coach. And, and so it sounds like you've had some involvement, not only in getting trained to do that, but but also in working with people. Can you talk about what drove you to get that certification and, and what it's done for you so far? Yeah, I, I think it. you have to have something that you want to do life after sports. And sports is just a small part of my life. So <clears throat> there was a time, you know, in my NFL career, maybe a couple of years ago, where I had signed with Chicago Bears at first when I was leaving Denver. And... It didn't really work out well. You know, I was playing in the city that my mom was living in. It seemed like everything was going very well. And at the end of that training camp, I got cut, fired. And I was at home for four or five weeks. And I was embarrassed. I was sad. It was just like, I don't know. What if the NFL doesn't come calling back? And that's where I had the idea to write my book, Silver Spoon, which led me to want to do keynote speeches and inspire people in companies about how sports and companies relate and they pretty much go hand in hand if you really look at the structures of these organizations and helping people understand that you know a lot of people say that well you're playing sports well the nfl is a billion dollar business everybody out there is a business so that's where the idea came to write my book but i got introduced to this guy by the name of jp who you know they said we had some similar things going on in terms of you know, trying to do inspirational work. So I met with him and I didn't know what coaching was, life coaching, leadership coaching. And we were going through an initial discovery session and we got to a point in the conversation where he just asked me who I was and I couldn't really answer it. And he just like moved me to tears. And I was crying for like 15 minutes because he was helping me understand like I could be playing life I could be playing the game of life in such a bigger way. Even though I was a professional athlete, I could be playing and giving them back, giving back, impacting more people. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to coach people. 
I want to do leadership development to help people step in to even more of who they want to be. Because we always have these underlying things that, why are we really doing this? And that's what led me to this. That's incredible. I, um, I never thought about it that way, but it, it seems to me, so kind of going back to like the future of work and how you see what the future of work might be, um, would you say that it is about kind of figuring out who you are in, in kind of the grander scheme of things? And I, because I, I think, I feel like a lot of people don't do that. Like I, it took me, like when I turned 40 is when I started to realize, oh man, like, what am I doing? Uh, this, I want to be doing this, you know? And, and, but it took me that time to figure that out because I don't think we're taught that, right? We're not taught to think in that way. We're taught to think, oh, you got to get a job and you got to support yourself and you got to find a place to live. And, you know, the, the, these checkbox things, as opposed to thinking about it, like, like, like you discovered, Benny, which is, yeah, man, like there's more to this than just the NFL, right? People think, oh, you're, you, you hit the NFL, man, that's, you're set for life, but not real. No, like, dear, that's like one spot, you know, and, and they talk about now, you know, everyone's going to have five different careers, right? It, um, moving forward. It's not just about five jobs. It's going to be five different careers and that's sort of part of the future of work. So I don't know, what are your, what are your thoughts? Like how, how do you see all this playing out over the next few years? I think that it will play out very differently, but if you, you said at the age of 40 is when you started to do that. I think it, it just depends on where you, where you're at in life, because at the end, of, at the end of the day, human beings were taught to survive. So you have to find a job, you have to find the place to live. Those are just our natural instincts. It's not personal development and personal growth. Now, if we want a more fulfilling life, then we'll look at that. But sometimes that's a little scary for people to really look at themselves and what they really want or why they really want it. Sometimes they think their reasons for wanting something are bad. And that's just society's way of saying, no, you shouldn't like this. You shouldn't want cars or money. Whatever you want is what you want. But there's an underlying need that you're trying to fulfill and trying to get to that you can discover so many different ways to get there. With the, where I see work going, yeah, I agree with the five different careers. That sounds about right. Because, you know, people are always evolving. And then, you know, what do they really want? What's their vision for their life? I think if we have an ultimate vision for what we want and what we want to feel and how we want to feel and who we want to be, that makes it, different in terms of the careers that you might want to go into and maybe it's not five different careers maybe it's just two mm -hmm. but you know the way work is going you, it, you I don't necessarily know because of COVID and people working from home but I would say that if organizations want to keep up with this up with everybody up with the new times you have to care about the employees growth what's their vision for their life but also what's their vision for themselves within the company mm -hmm. do they just see this as a one-stop or do they see this as a career that's something that you go through in the interview process because you'll see the the level of engagement or if they want to have an exit maybe they've been working at your career for or at your job at this job for 10 years and they wanted to be an entrepreneur now how can you get the maximum opportunity to for, out of them in the next couple years for them to give their best so they can exit the right way with the right amount of money instead of just 
clocking in and clocking out, not really being engaged because, you know, they really just don't care. One of the things that struck me most from your book was um, that moment when you when you had your your big adversity moment and you, you, you're sent home and uh, you had a number of friends reach out to you. And one of your friends said, OK, you know, all all made men are uh, all made men experience adversity. So now you have this. Go make yourself. Who was that? Yeah. Draymond, <laughs> Draymond Green, one of my very, very close friends. He's like a brother to me, but you know, you need friends like that, especially during the tough times, but not for them to be like, oh, it's okay. Like, man, he didn't say anything about the team or the team was wrong. Look, you're going through something. And when you come out on the other side, this is going to be incredible for you. My brother did the same thing. My brother like Pat, he like congratulated me. He's like, congratulations, you now become even more dangerous because, you know, when you when you hit those bottoms and you you make it out of that, you learn so many different things. Like think about, I think about all the great things that happened for me getting cut in Chicago, me going to play in New in with the New York Giants, living 15 minutes from where my fiance grew up for two years, like. She got to see her family more than ever before. Me getting my dog, now being a proud dog dad with my baby boy Simba. I would have never got a chance to meet him. I would have never wrote that book. There's so many different things that came out of just that one big adversity moment. But if I had just been focused on, you know, being cut at that time and not having a job, like I could have just gone into a rut of negative emotions. Instead, I tried to look at the other opportunities. I'm super big on being optimistic. And what are the possibilities here? Yeah, I'm wondering if that's really um, the lesson here is, is for employers to be able to help, like your friends did, to help you see the powerful side of adversity when something doesn't go uh, their way to be able to leverage that, learn from it, grow from it and use it in the future to be even more, as you say, dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. What are the possibilities within these situations? Even, you know, when there are bad things happening, where, where are the good possibilities? What are you learning from this right now? Mm -hmm. Oh man, I love it. Yeah, this is no, Benny, it's been such a pleasure. I, you know, I think there, I mean, everybody loves sports, everybody loves games. And I think there's so much applicability to, to work and, and where the future of work is going. And I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's about humanity. It's about each of us as an individual going through the ups and downs having the support of our company and our managers and our team members and our leaders, to your point earlier, um, to, to be able to go through that. You know, I think, you know, they're, they're, I think we've, a lot of us maybe kind of learned to, to avoid those things, right? Or just turn a blind eye when in reality, we should be embracing all that because you never know where it's going to take you. So man, thank, yeah, thank you for everything, Benny. This has been a great conversation. I think uh, we've learned a lot. The audience is really um, gotten a lot of great stuff. Is there anything, any kind of parting words, any mic drops you got? <laughs> yeah, I always have a couple of mic drops and, you know, for organizations, people, you know, the biggest world in the room is room for improvement. 
And that's something I always leave people with. And then when the opportunity knocks, it's too late to prepare. So, you know, with work and, you know, everything that you guys are doing, companies have to be involved in that. Don't wait till it's too late to try to, you know, interview the right way or have leadership development. I tell people all the time, they're like, well, I don't know. We don't really necessarily need it right now. Okay, well, it'll be too late then when you do need it. Why not put, invest in your employees right now? Why not invest in yourself right now in terms of getting better? So when opportunity knocks, it's too late to prepare. So I want to thank you guys for having me. That's a wonderful uh, mic drop. Thank you so much for being on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah, thank you all for, for tuning in. Um, as always, check out A Higher Podcast uh, on the different streaming services. There'll be links in the, in the description. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.